As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. Every single day I come in here, I think about winning. You know, I don't do this year round to come in and not make the playoffs. I'm sick of that shit and uh, I want to keep winning. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Taper, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. The Raiders are back from their bye week, getting set to take on the Minnesota Vikings, and they're going to be a, a well-rested team. Uh, Antonio Pierce giving them the whole week off, really. Uh, they, they got all last week off, back for meetings Monday, uh, finally back to practice on Wednesday, but... Uh, we talked last week about how long it took to get to this bye week, uh, going 12 games before you get to the bye. Then to, to get, get this recharge uh, is probably got to be nice. Uh, you know, Rare for NFL teams to, to give you this much time off for the bye, but I think probably part of the kind of Antonio Pierce experience where he, he wants to you know be player-friendly and listen to the players. And so uh, they, they should be a little bit energized, I would think, this week. Yeah, I think so. He mentioned uh, Monday's meetings were like the first day of school. Like everyone's like, hey, how you doing? Shaking hands and like patting in the back. What'd you do? And like kind of like after summer vacation. So I think everyone definitely is refreshed. Um, I know Max Crosby didn't talk yesterday, but I saw him in the locker room. He looks like he's definitely doing a lot better uh, health-wise than he was before the bye. So I think he'll play and uh, Colton Miller look fine. So I think everyone's kind of feeling healthier. Like you mentioned, 12 games is a long time to play and they've had a lot of – Besides just a physical toll, a lot's happened, you know, uh, emotionally and spiritually, and it's been a really long season for these guys. So I think they're definitely looking at this as, uh, you know, they got five games. I mean, the odds to make the playoffs are pretty slim, but you never know. I mean, you got to put your best foot forward and try to win uh, every game and see what happens. So that's, that's the mentality. I think um, they got two games coming up at home, which definitely they've been good at home. So I think they're in a good spot, a good spot, to, you know, mentally and, and physically. Yeah, I think, you know, outside of the bye being late in the season, another part of it um, is they have, you know, two games in the next seven days. Um, obviously, they play the the Vikings on Sunday, but they also turn around and host the Chargers next Thursday. And so 
Um, I can see giving the guys a little extra rest, given they're going to have to sandwich those two games together pretty quickly. But, you know, also part of it, like Vic said, is, you know, the team has been through a lot the first half of the season and some pretty important guys, not not just Max Crosby, but also Colton Miller, you know, has been dealing with a shoulder injury the last month or so. And uh, he came out toward the end of the last game and I think he didn't practice yesterday either. And so had a couple of key injuries. They also want to give some guys some time to, to rest up and get ready. And so I think it was the right approach by the staff. What do you guys think are be some differences that we see from the team as far as personnel wise? Think anybody's gonna, you know, is, are there gonna be any surprise starters? Anybody losing their jobs coming out of the bye week? Well, Marcus Peters isn't here anymore. You're trying to get yeah. fired on their day off. <laughs> hey, man, hey man, Marcus Peters got cut, you know, while we were gone. So, um, I mean, that's obviously they're gonna have a new starter at outside cornerback, but that's the only one that's you know apparent in terms of who might be in the mix for that. Um, you know, obviously we've talked about Jack Jones, who they, you know, added off of waivers. Um, you know, Antonio Pierce has history with him, but you know, can't forget about Jacorian Bennett, who, you know, started the season as a starter and kind of lost his job due to injury and performance. You know, he might have a chance to get back into it. Brandon Faison, who hasn't played or practiced all year uh, after a lengthy stint on IR, you know, he practiced yesterday for the first time as a limited participant. So there's a few different guys that could be in the mix to, to replace Marcus Peters. You know, we'll, we'll see who it ends up being, but that, that's sort of the main one just in terms of a personnel. Yeah, I never really had to see their their plans for Faison. You know, he got hurt early on, so I think they signed him. And there's some talk he might be a starter. Some talk he might just be a, a depth guy he comes in on passing down. So I'm curious to see how quickly he gets worked in and what exactly his role is. But uh, he's a guy who's played it before. He, he can, you've seen his skills. Definitely um, he's a solid cover guy with some aggression. So I think um, we'll see Jack Jones get his shot. So... Yeah, they got some guys who definitely have things to play for in a secondary. And uh, I think Robertson's always got something to prove. So I think you will see these guys get a chance to really kind of, hopefully, in their, in their minds, lock down a spot, you know, going forward for, you know, in terms of being a starter. You know, we mentioned the the slim, slim playoff hopes. Um, obviously, this was not a team that we came into this season really thinking that they were going to be a, a playoff contender. But the AFC is so jumbled. It has not been, um, you know, the dominant there hasn't been the dominant teams out there. You look at the teams that are you know, currently in line for the playoffs, uh, especially at the bottom of those, the, the wild card stand. These teams like the Steelers, the Colts, the Browns, you know, those are teams that are seven and five and like don't, you know, either by quarterback situation with injuries or, you know, all three of those teams are, are teams that don't have their current starting quarterback or just, you know, the Steelers who Vic, as, as you've written about every week in Vic's picks are, uh, seem, seem like a fraud despite what their record shows. This is a season where, Kind of like, I mean, they're, they're not completely out of it. And you also look at like, man, if they had found a way to steal that game against the Dolphins, uh, they'd be in that mix. But uh, this does feel like a week where you, you're playing the Vikings. It's kind of the, the make or break week to, to decide whether or not you really can have a shot to go for uh, a playoff berth over the final month. I think the problem is there's so many teams. And right now they're, they're 13th. So even if you win these next two home games, you're 7-7. Seven and seven. How many teams are you going to jump of the third? Are you going to be in tenth? I mean, that's still a lot to run so the table, man. Run the table. Run the table. All right, let's go. Let's do it. I'm in. Yeah, I mean, they basically can't lose the rest of the season. Like, even though as as jumbled as the AFC is, I, I do think it's still going to take ten wins, most likely, to to make the playoffs this year and to get there. They they can't really lose the rest of the season, and I, I think it helps that they have a couple teams left on their schedule who are kind of in a similar position as them, whether it's the Chargers or the Broncos or the Colts. So if it comes down to, you know, a tiebreaker type situation, um, you know, maybe that could help them out. But, you know, 
they've been here before. Um, you know, 2021, their chances weren't great either, and they managed to pull it off. So can't completely rule it out. You know, it is unlikely, but I, I think, you know, for this team, whether they make the playoffs or not, I, I think it's going to be the most important thing is going to be how they look as they finish the stretch. You know, if they finish, you know, eight and nine or nine and eight, but every every single game came down to the wire and they fought to the end, I think that's something that you could potentially build on regardless, you know, moving forward. Being competitive in these games and not getting blown out and losing every game to me would be the best position to be in. So you get better draft position. I mean, because even if they squeak into the playoffs, like, what are you going to do? I mean, it's you're not really going to be a competitive team in the playoffs. And yeah, to me, draft position is most important at this point. But there's some winnable games, but going the road games are going to be difficult in Kansas City and against the Colts, who are a much better team than people anticipated. But yeah, to me, the best case scenario is just being competitive in these games and losing because, you know, we've seen in the past few years how much winning a couple meaningless games have cost this team as far as uh, draft position in, in the last few, you know, four or five years. So that to me is the best case scenario. You know, and I know not for Antonio Pierce. That's yeah. <laughs> but, like, uh, yeah, go have that conversation with Antonio Pierce. Tell him that, that that's the best deal. I mean, you're not obviously you're never going to purposely tank, but I'm just saying, you know, like we've seen this happen, the same scenario happen year after year, you know, where they have a little bit of hope, they win some games, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're like three, four spots down in the draft and they cost themselves a, you know, a blue chip type of prospect. It's true. It's definitely true. So we're saying either win out or lose out. Those are the two. Yeah. Two no, he doesn't even want them to win out. He doesn't want them in the playoffs at all. It's like they're they're not going to do anything there. He, he says he'll lose out. Yeah. So I'm saying whether you win out or lose out, that's what he's saying. So one or the other. Last year in week 18, everyone was laughing at the Texans when when Lovey Smith went out there and, and and got him a week 18 win that cost him the number one pick. And uh, I think uh, you know, he, he maybe cost him his job. Uh, and, and and look what uh, look what happened. The Texans yeah. got the number two pick and they got the better quarterback. So. Yeah, you so, never know. It's it's not always yeah. as simple, even though this is a draft where you, you do want to be as high as possible. Right. You never know. Drafts are hard to figure out. People uh, spend millions of dollars about in the quarterbacks and they really have no idea. It's kind of throwing darts, trying to get lucky. So Yeah. And Texas probably would have drafted Bryce Young, too, but that's yeah. another conversation. Let's talk about this game. Vikings, uh, they are getting Justin Jefferson back. Uh, they are sticking with Josh Dobbs. Uh, maybe, you know, they kind of follow in our strategy from last week of trying to to make sure that he's he's not super comfortable because there was some chatter that they might go away from Dobbs. He had a, such a weird season. I mean, a, a quarterback being traded twice, played preseason games for one team, played regular season games for two other teams. And he's had his moments, but he's also had his ugly moments. And so they are sticking with him. And we've joked that the, the more familiar he gets with his teammates, the the, the worse he's gotten. So maybe this uh, this little bit of uncertainty is, uh, is all part of the strategy. Yeah, I think we saw the first two games, the Vikings, everyone's like, oh my God, how is this guy available? This guy is so good. What are the, you know, what are the Browns doing? Blah, blah, blah. And you see the last two games, like, ah, now I get it. So it's just, it's a very, I'm sure, a very frustrating guy to have as your quarterback if you're like, you know, a coach, because you really don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get a guy who's making plays or a guy who's making a negative plays. So there seems to be no really in between for him. So I'm sure that's why it's been, uh, He's been kind of around so much in his career, but clearly he, there's upside there. He clearly has the ability to make plays with his legs and also his arm. And I'm sure it's a guy hard to prepare for because you don't really know what he's going to do. No one knows what he's going to do. I'm sure he knows what he's going to do. So I'm sure that's part of the you know, toughness of uh, preparing for the Vikings this week. 
the Vikings mismanaged this situation because it was very obvious the less Josh Dobbs knows his teammates, the better he plays. They should have kept him like in a hotel room far away from the team and just like eject him into the games on, on Sundays. But, you know, they let him get to know his teammates and now it's all like they ruined it. They ruined Those it. bastards. <laughs> it, I mean, they, they should have made him keep his apartment in Arizona, just fly him in on game days. Like, you don't even practice with the team. You don't live in the state. You, you just, you're living out in Arizona. We'll just we'll fly you in for game days. Or hell, he, his, he might still have his house in Cleveland. I don't know. I don't, who knows how many residencies he got in with the wild year he's had. Obviously, it'll help him having Justin Jefferson back. You know, we'll see how what level of Justin Jefferson it is coming off of not playing for however many weeks it's been. But, you know, he was arguably the best receiver in the league coming into this season. And, you know, especially in a in a, a week where the Raiders are kind of figuring things out at cornerback, it'd be interesting to see, like, who gets that matchup for them or if they rotate, you know, who, who's across from them throughout the game. And so, you know, his Vikings offense has been, you know, it's had its low moments, but it's been pretty good this season. You know, just despite losing Kirk Cousins to that Achilles injury. And so be a good test for this Raiders defense. I mean, they've been playing at a pretty good level um, all season. They, they were able to hang with the the Dolphins. I know they had some breakdowns against the Chiefs, but I think seeing what their plan is for Justin Jefferson would be interesting, kind of with this hodgepodge group of cornerbacks and seeing, I guess, what version of Josh Jobs they go against as well. So it's, it's a lot, a lot going up in the air in this game. Yeah, I think we'll see that old classic I want to be careful saying this term, but the old Patriot philosophy as far as mm -hmm. taking away a number one receiver, they're going to bracket Jefferson a lot. And then whoever they think is going to be their best corner is going to play one-on-one -on -one with the team's number two receiver. And that's going to be a big matchup, whoever is going to be against Jordan Addison, who had a pretty bad game against the Bears, but he's, he's been pretty good throughout his rookie year. And then obviously you have to stop TJ Hawkinson, too but i think you know the raiders have pretty good coverage linebackers and morag has been pretty good matchup player but hawkinson's you know one of the best tight ends in the league so that's going to be uh, a matchup you watch out for but yeah jefferson is going to obviously make this vikings offense a lot tougher to stop but it'll be interesting to see who's going to be um the guy playing one-on-one -on -one against jordan addison because that's the guy that the Raiders coaching staff, you know, quote, unquote, have the most confidence in, or they think that's their number one corner. In terms of the Raiders offense going up against that Brian Flores defense, he is, you know, they've been blitzing at, uh, you know, crazy rates. And, it, and so it's it's going to be an opportunity for, you know, us to see what O'Connell could do against a team that might, might blitz more than half the time. Um, and we've seen at times, especially when he first took over, um, that, that first start he made when Garoppolo was injured, uh, where he, he struggled to make quick decisions. Um, I think he's gotten a little bit better at that, but um, this will be a week to see kind of how can he adjust and adapt to read the blitzes, make those protection calls, and be able to to get the ball out quickly when he needs to. Yeah, it's just weird because he's here, you know, like talk about Aiden O'Connell, oh, he's getting better. He's definitely more poised, more confident. Like the, we see improvement. And then you look at the stats, and they have 46 points in the last three games. And this offense just can't, all year long, they just can't score points. And they have they have talent. And they have, uh, we've talked about all the guys they have. I mean, they have Charlie Myers is playing probably better than what I was going to play. And they got, you know, obviously Devontae Adams and uh, Josh Jacobs. Michael Mayer's making plays now in the last few Few games, so just it's, they have a lot of guys. So you should be able to beat a blitz with so many targets. Who just you know turn around and the ball will, will come at you. So again, it's just uh, I know we've talked about the quarterback issues and the line issues, but it really is kind of a 
it's a real big mystery why they can't score points, and it's been a problem all year long. And something they can they fix it in the next five weeks? Uh, we'll see. But uh, there's no there's no real, no real good excuse why they, they can't score. There's enough talent here; they should be able to score some points. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think they are a better unit under O'Connell than they were uh, with Garoppolo. But I think they also played some really tough defenses. You know, they played the Jets, elite defense, Miami, who's playing. I mean, once Jalen Ramsey was asserted, they're playing at one of the top. They've been one of the top pass defenses in the league. And then Kansas City, we know, is the top three type of unit as well. So they played three elite units. The Vikings are like kind of a fringe top 10 unit but they're still pretty good. So they've had like a murderer's rose as far as defenses go. I think it's pretty hard to put up numbers against these type of defenses, but I think the Vikings aren't in that top tier. So we'll see what they can do against the Vikings. But the problem with going against the Vikings defense is much different than the type of the trendy type of defenses we see in the league. You don't, you don't see, Teams blitz as much, and the way they blitz is that they do read blitzes. So they read which which way you slide your protection, and whichever way you slide your protection, they drop off. And then the other side, that's when they bring they, they bring extra pressure. They cover your hot routes off. Uh, they play off coverage, and they're kind of playing with zone eyes in the beginning. So it's tough to hit those classic like zone beater concepts. Uh, if you try to hit a quick slant, they're going to be right on top of it. If you hit you know, try to hit a quick out, they're right on top of it. So you have to kind of push your routes a little bit further. But by pushing a little further, you know, you're kind of inviting the blitz to, to hit you as well. So it's like you have to have these answers that you don't typically have in your offense, which is why it's so hard going against a Brian Flores type of defense. But they had, a uh, you know, the bye week, so they had some time to install some extra stuff. So we'll see if um, you know that plays into gives them a little bit of an advantage going against this type of defense. Yeah, this could be a tough matchup for for O'Connell as a rookie quarterback. I mean, when he's blitzed this year, he's been pretty bad. He's he's toward the bottom of the league pretty much across the board and all those those major stats. And you know, I mean, we we've seen him get sort of rattled at certain moments when he's pressured or hold the ball too long or try to make plays that aren't there. And so. He's going to have to show a lot of growth, I think, to have a lot of success against this, this aggressive Vikings defense. And, you know, this, this Raiders offensive line, like, you know, as we talked about all year, it's regressed. And so we'll see how they handle that additional pressure. And then their tight ends, while Michael Mayer has gotten better, I would say, like they still aren't known for blocking, you know, when it comes to their tight ends. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to have to get the ball out quickly and, and you know, try to find a way to make them pay for being so aggressive. But this would be a big uh, one of the bigger challenges so far for O'Connell since he stepped in as a starter. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see that? 
this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tashawn, you wrote on Thursday about Max Crosby, and uh, you know we talked last week about how kind of just the, the craziness of in him that that made him go out there and play, and uh, you know, and, and about him as a as you know potential defensive player of the year candidate, especially now that Ted's guy Deron Bland um, got got cooked. Uh, you know, a little 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 sketchy uh, candidacy there now, Ted. But um, what new did you learn maybe about Max as you were kind of doing doing that story and really talking basically to everybody who's been a big part of coaching him at the NFL level? Yeah, I think, you know, something that jumped out was uh, obviously the last couple of years, everybody's kind of come around on, on Max being like this star level pass rusher and edge rusher in general and, and this really confident player. But, you know, talking to Brinson Buckner about how he came in as a rookie, like usually, you know, those small school guys like undersized, they come in kind of, you know, quiet and, you know, lucky to be here type of vibe. But Max came in like, you know, emanating confidence, like he already knew he belonged and, um, was ready to go out and prove himself. And so I didn't cover him that year. I wasn't really around um, on the beat yet. So I, I didn't know that he kind of walked in the door that way. Um, but it kind of helps inform, you know, the steady rise that he's had. You know, he, he's always had that inner self-belief in himself along with this, you know, kind of maniacal work ethic and, you know, steadily improved every year to become what he is today. And so, you know, I mean, it's one of the, the best day three picks, I'm sure, in, in Raiders history so far, just kind of seeing his development, how he continues to get better and, you know, kind of has this relentless drive to, to keep pushing moving forward. And, you know, I think this is probably one of the first years where while he's been on that steady upward trajectory, we've seen the defense follow him, you know, along that rise as well and start to play better as a unit this season, you know, and kind of gives some hope of maybe him not ending up like another Khalil Mack type guy where he's great, but the defense just continues to suck around him. Like he's, he's shown this year that he's has the potential to, to, to lift the group up as a whole. And, you know, I think that's something that regardless of how the season goes for the Raiders, they can, you know, find some optimism in for that side of the ball moving forward. Because, you know, as we talked about, they got him locked in on that pretty, pretty team friendly deal, you know, for the next, next few years. And so he's going to be that anchor that's in place for him and whoever the new next regime is now, they just got to go in and, and build around him and, and keep this progress up that they've made. All right, first of all, I, I was not the one pushing the Deron Bland defensive play. Uh, I, 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 I said people were. I said other people were pushing it. You're a person, and you're the one who brought him up. And I actually published a video that showed that Deron Bland was getting burned and was just getting lucky right before the game, which made me look pretty smart, by the way, because he did get burned by the Seahawks. But it wasn't me. I just heard it from multiple podcasts, and you know, I was – just looking why, at the why, media why you cheat another podcast. Don't, don't listen to that <laughs> podcast. We're the only one you need to listen to. Uh, Stand on business, man. Yeah, I got <laughs> Vic's always hedging his bets. I got Ted taking back his award <laughs> picks. Stand on your word. Oh, Ted. my goodness. Uh, I, I mean, Vic, 
we, we could talk a little bit about Bax when he when he first got here. I mean, a the biggest difference the uh, the tattoos was uh was was not was not one not tattoo one on tattoo. his body. I mean, I remember when we sat down with him in that uh, that media. He was a, he's a former state of the nation uh, guest uh, back yes. in those days when yeah. we used to, especially all the almost all the rookies would always um, would always come on the show. Uh, wasn't there a backstory about like him? I think his, maybe it was a tie-in with his brother. Like, did some uh, Calvin Klein modeling or something like his that. Brother, his brother was a top model, yeah, for sure. So uh, his mom's I think a photographer. So, um, but yeah, just a guy who kind of. Um, was you know, I talked about it, very driven. He knew what he wanted to be. And people, I'm sure at one point, saw this tall, lanky kid, like, what get the hell out of here. But um, hard work, you know, he's been locked in ever since he went to college. And uh, a guy who, uh, yeah, give, uh, I'll give Mike Mack this one. Mike Mack, we give him a hard time for a lot of his draft picks. He made a lot of bad moves, and now he's no longer in the you know, NFL. But uh, I give him credit for Mike Mack, for, for Max Crosby. I think that was, uh, that was his guy. I think he... Um, was very high on them early on in the process, and uh, they kind of uh, waited for the right time. They didn't pick him too high. And um, I know Mac would say this, like if people talk about Clee Farrell being a bad pick, but if he had picked Max Crosby in the first round and Clee, and they switched the picks, then he's a genius. We can't do that, but you don't do that. But no. still, but at least he did. He did get a you know a foundational um, a franchise guy uh, late in the draft, the guy they were targeting all along. So if we um. Uh, one feather in, in, in Mike's cap for sure, and, and Max definitely has been uh, above and beyond in anyone's dreams as far as you know, his impact and his uh, not only on the field but also in the locker room. He's a, a great leader and a guy who well has shown he'll play you know no matter what. And uh, guys follow him, um, and the defense is definitely better because of him. So they they follow his example. Can you imagine the reaction if they had taken Max Crosby with the number four pick of the draft? I mean, uh, you know, at, by the end of the year when he was second in the uh, defensive player of the year, uh, rookie of the year voting, yeah, you, you would have been like, okay, great. But uh, the, the, the draft day reaction had they taken Max Crosby number four would have been uh, would have been special. I don't know if he's going to win defensive player of the year, but, you know, watching this defense week in and week out, like this defense without Max Crosby would probably be close to the bottom of the league, you know, it, bad but he he makes such an impact that like this is a almost a mid-tier type of defense so he it's pretty amazing to watch how you know one person can make such an impact on on an entire unit all right well let's get to a few questions here and vic you brought up mayock so we'll start with a question that uh, question sweet no not 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 a mayock question but it it does relate to the general manager position Jim Caldwell wants to know what are the odds that Champ Kelly is retained? Does Jim it Caldwell? hinge on these? Yeah, not not, the, not that Jim Caldwell, but uh, <laughs> this Jim Caldwell. Coach, he's like, yeah, well, <laughs> he's like, yeah. What are the? He's like, uh, if, like, do I need to call Champ exactly. Kelly if I want a job no, here? Probably said to What's up, Jim? <laughs> Does it hinge on these last five games? And, and this goes back to a question. Um, I think Vic, you asked him when he sat down with him about you know how do you how do you approach kind of auditioning for this job? Whereas Antonio Pierce, like you are coaching these games out there. You've got, you know, you've got these, what was it? Nine games that he's going to end up coaching. You have that uh, to stack up there as evidence. This is what I've done. When you're the GM who takes over the day after the trade deadline, there really aren't acquisitions you can do. There's not, there's not a whole lot you can do um, to tangibly show why you deserve to keep the job. We know he was a candidate before and you know, he's a guy that we expect will be a GM somewhere uh, someday, but w- what do we think the odds are and, and what is, you know, what will he be judged on if, if he's a candidate for the, uh, the GM job? 
Yeah, I think it's definitely a, a different boat than, than Antonio is. I think you mentioned Mark interviewed him for this job. He's um, So I think in the back of his mind, I think Mark has a pretty good idea of what he wants to do in terms of the GM. So I think, therefore, I would say Champ has a pretty good chance of being back. That's my gut feeling. I think um, like you, said, you can't really evaluate him on what happens in the last five games or the, or the previous four games because, you know, and you can't really say, well, you know, would you have done what Dave, what Ziegler did here? Which which was your move? Which was when you, no, I would not have drafted this guy. Yeah, so it's very you gotta. I mean, it's very hard to do that now. So I think it's just looking at his overall his career and why you liked him as a candidate in the first place. His, you know, his mentality, his 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 relationships with people, it's kind of some of his thoughts on maybe this year's draft class. Which I talked about some guys already. So I think in in this case, I think Mark has a pretty good idea that. Um, if he wants to go that direction or not, and my guess is he is leaning, leaning towards going with, with Champ Kelly as, as a GM. All you have to do is show the receipts that you wanted to trade the house for CJ Stroud. If you have receipts for that, then you know you get uh, the there are no such receipts. That report was bo- <laughs> uh, I was gonna say a bad word, but that report was bogus. There are no oh, such receipts about word. somebody wanted uh, CJ Stroud. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, Bryce Young was the guy everybody was talking about, not, not CJ Stroud. I think with with Champ, like like Vic said, is is more of a body of work with him. Like they already considered him a potential GM candidate before you know his tenure with the Raiders. And while they had a lot of you know personnel mistakes the last couple of years, I, I think you know they still have a favorable view of him as a candidate. And so um, he'll be one of one of the leaders, I'm sure. But you know while while he can't really influence the roster the last few games of the season, I think it you know it wouldn't hurt if like some of the rookies you know start to do a little bit more and and some of the I mean, the free agent additions that they made, like a Robert Spillane or Brandon Faison comes in and starts playing well all of a sudden, like that kind of stuff. Like if you made those moves um, that helps the team finish strong or finish competitively, you know, however the record shakes out, I, I think that that wouldn't hurt him. Terry Wilson's got nine pressures on the year. So if he could get a little more pressures, that'd be good for everybody, I think. All right, here we got a question from Cody Rossmore. I read an article by one of your competitors that Dave Ziegler discovered the polio vaccine and tried to warn Napoleon <laughs> and tried to warn Napoleon not to invade Russia. True? Uh, that's good. Uh, true? Good, what, good, is that, that true? Yeah, sources yeah. say. Sources, sources say. Yeah, sources uh, are. Sources familiar with the thinking, yeah. Yeah, I think I took a shot at, at that writer on Twitter. People informed me to, like, to list all the things he has wrong this year, and that's not my job, but I just think uh, – yeah, you gotta be careful what you read, and I think um, we'll see what happens with that person in the future. But I think we might see some possible repercussions in terms of uh, being loose with uh, with the facts. Uh, here we go from uh, Eames. He wants to know: It's in the past, but it's informative as to Mark's upcoming head coach and GM hires. Did Mark give complete control over all personnel decisions to Dave Ziegler? Given the last two GM tenures, it's imperative that Mark empowers his GM to have the final say on personnel. I mean, I think contractually, Ziegler was the personnel guy. Nowadays, the way so many of these these tenures are set up, they try to make them more partnerships, right? And so it's like, you know, yes, this guy has the final say, but you know, you, you, you're when you're hiring Ziegler and McDaniel's together, um, you know, it's a package deal. It's a package group. You're bringing them both in from the Patriots. I think you're looking for guys that are going to form consensus. So I think that's where it gets tricky, where it's like, yeah, Ziggler does have the power, did have the power to say no, but are you going to tell your head coach no? Um, a lot of times you're not. Yeah, I mean, that was like, I'm pretty sure it was like my first question when it got introduced. It was asking, you know, who has that final personnel power? And then Ziggler said it was him. And I think that was the case. But like, 
like you said, I mean, I think I remember when Peter King was in their draft room, they had to take Tyree Wilson, like when they were discussing trading up with the Cardinals, uh, I believe it was, um, to try to tra draft that offensive tackle. He asked him, like, do you want to do this before doing it? So it's like, there's even though he has final say, he's not going to just do things and tell McDaniels after, you know? And so, you know, pretty much every significant move they made, whether it was Jimmy Garoppolo or Chandler Jones or Tyree Wilson or, you know, some of these bigger moves, Devontae Adams, obviously, like, it's really a joint thing. And so there's not really any way uh, for either of them to, you know, retroactively say, oh, I wouldn't have done this or I wouldn't have done that. Like they did it together, you know? So speaking back to that report that we just alluded to, like that kind of stuff that comes out now is is not really worth putting too much thought into. Yeah, and we're talking about, I'm going to another Mike Mack mentioned, but when Mack was like, go, oh, I don't know if fans are like, well, was that guy a Gruden guy? Is that guy a Mack guy? Who wants that? So I think a lot of people have tried to do that now, but I think, you know, Josh and Dave were definitely much more closely tied or hired together. And I think they definitely were sharing, you know, the whole Patriots, you know, way, mentality, way of thinking. So they're trying to fit guys into that, into that school, you know. Uh, so I think you look at their moves, and I'm sure there are some guys, one guy was higher on the other, and vice versa, and it kind of would, would, um, you know, kind of former consensus. I'm sure Champ was involved. Champ had a vote, I'm sure. And I think Mark Davis definitely has a say. People, I know he says he's not uh, involved in personnel moves, but he's the owner. Of course, he has a say in, in terms of the checkbook. And I mean, not a huge say, but definitely he, he weighs in at times. So I think it is definitely in this case hard to say which guy was a you know, Ziggler guy, which guy was a McDaniels guy. I think they definitely were. Working together and pretty much like you know they were really they were I'm not sure if they were I guess they still are good friends so I think they definitely were always talking about uh, those kind of things around the clock. Yeah, and this coach GM model where the coach has the final say it just doesn't work. I mean we've seen it fail across the league. You know Belichick made it work for a while, but I mean his drafts have been pretty terrible recently. It's just two separate skills. You know, like I understand a coach. Uh, will want guys to fit his scheme more. But sometimes as a GM, you have to get the more talented player and force that coach to work this player into your scheme. So it's just, I think it's two separate skills that need to stay separate, uh, especially for this uh, next hire, whoever's going to be, even if it's a hot candidate that really is trying to demand, you know, too much personnel power. I think as a, an owner or, or GM, you have to resist that and say, no, we're going to keep it separate. I mean, I don't think there's zero scenarios where it doesn't work where the coach has the final say. I mean, the 49ers is a good example. Yeah. They've been a, built a phenomenal United, roster. Yeah. yeah, they built a phenomenal roster. And, and like, I think that that's, that's a good partnership where Kyle Shanahan lets John Lynch do a lot of the stuff. And then, but there are certain decisions that, you know, that, that Shanahan is going to make. And so it, it's, it's all about, you know, and that was a unique hire where they hired Shanahan first and then. It was, you know, Shanahan essentially hired the GM where you know, he didn't really even have a previous relationship with John Lynch other than ha having met at production meetings when Lynch was a broadcaster. So, I mean, there are some scenarios where it can work, but I mean, it, it's got to take two unique people that are that are really talented. And so um, we'll, we'll see which way he goes. I mean, they, they've obviously kind of tried different routes. Um, you know, the the Gruden route where, where Gruden was was in charge, um, it certainly didn't did not work out. Um you know, I, I think the Reggie McKenzie route of, of having the GM that was making those decisions, it was on a right track, you know, and, and we know how how that went off uh, off track. But I mean, there were uh, there were some good moves there, although obviously outside of the, the 2014 draft, uh, he really struggled in the uh, in the second and third round to, to really find any impact players. 
But all right, uh, final question here. This is from uh, Skate Snow H two O Dad uh, wants to know: Does anyone on the panel? Yeah. Uh, he wants to know, does anyone on the panel feel that Aiden O'Connell has the talent to be a Super Bowl quarterback? What? If not, then I think I we even... know what the Raiders' biggest priority is going forward. I don't even know if he's a starter. It's a Super Bowl quarterback. What the fuck are we doing? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. Nobody knows. Like, that's uh, a mess of no, then. <laughs> no, no. Like, you know, but I, I think we've seen, at least I, I'll speak for myself. Like, I've seen enough to where I, I think that Aiden is like a fine option to more so be like a backup that can be a spot starter if we need it, step in in case of injury. But I don't think he's the guy, you know, moving forward in terms of um, building around him for years to come. And so I think at some point they're going to find themselves in a position where they have to go get a get a guy, whether that's this offseason or or in the future. Um, it depends on a myriad of factors. But yeah, I don't. I, and I think that's fine. I mean, he was a, a fifth, a fourth, fifth round pick. Like, we, it wasn't like he's a first rounder, and this is some huge failure if he doesn't end up being the, the full time starter moving forward. But I think even what he is now, like, I think that makes that pick a valuable one, and and, and you know him worth somebody worth having on the roster moving forward. Yeah, I think he's earned that. I think he's earned. We'll see what happens the last five games. He's earned definitely number two job, and also I think he's earned a chance to compete. Unless you're bringing a big game guy next year, he's earned a chance to compete for that job in, in camp next year. I mean, I'm not sure he'd be a favorite, but I think he's earned a chance to say, you know what, uh, I want to compete. And so uh, that's good. Competition's always good. So I think, um, like you have seen signs where he's gotten better. I think we definitely need to see more these next five games. But uh, yeah, for where he was drafted, definitely it was a good value pick, and you see. Um, like like Deshaun said, he's an NFL quarterback. I'm not, I'm not sure he's a starting quarterback, but he's an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I mean, like just like Gardner Minshew right now, what he's doing with the Colts. Like, I mean, next next year it's going to be right back to Richardson, of course. But I mean, he was able to take over in case of injury, and like they're still in the playoff hunt because he's still solid enough to step in and keep the offensive floating. So that, that that role, you know, has real value. I don't think it's some failure if if O'Connell isn't a starter. I mean, Super Bowl quarterbacks a wide range, too. I mean, Trent Dilfer was a Super Bowl quarterback. Wow. Tom Brady was Trent a Super Dilfer. Bowl quarterback. So you got to build a, just gotta build a defense like the Ravens. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just build a defense like the Ravens. Wow. But, I mean, I think if you're talking about starter, I think he's played well enough, you know, for that to be a fair question. And like Vic said, I think, you know, he's played well enough to where you could consider him a possible starter next year, but not well enough for you to cement that in in paper and say yeah he, he's going to be your starter I, I think his ceiling is probably around like i mean if his absolute ceiling is probably like kirk cousins if everything goes perfect and he you know gets that type uh time to develop that mental mastery that he needs to get to that level but yeah i mean to me you, you still have to be aggressive looking for a quarterback he hasn't played well enough to where you know like you're not going to be aggressive trying to add a, add a quarterback next year all right. With that, we will uh, we'll make some game picks. Uh, Raiders are home underdogs against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, who wants to bat lead off and uh, make your pick? I'll go first. I got the uh, Raiders winning twenty three to twenty. I think it's hard to really pick these games because I mean Josh Dobbs. We talked about who the hell knows what he's going to do, but I think the Raiders are in a good spot coming off the bye. I think the Vikings can't really run the ball, so a little one-dimensional in terms of um, you know the defense having a chance to prepare and maybe make some plays. And I think the offense again they should. I mean, I know the Vikings are going to blitz, but there's enough talent there where you should be able to make some enough plays to win this game. So I think the home crowd will be a factor. I think uh, well they're four and two at home this year, so I think that's um, that's pretty good. They got two games coming up at home, kind of a chance to really uh, at least cement that home field advantage uh, going forward. So I think um, yeah, they're winning. 
Yeah, I think I got the Raiders 20 to 17. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of offense in this one, um, kind of between, you know, some of the issues with maybe O'Connell handling the Vikings aggressive defense. I think they'll give him some problems. And, you know, this offense has a lot of talent, but we've seen all year like that hasn't, they're just not, it's not a good offense for whatever reason. Like they, they can't put up points. And so I don't think that's going to change suddenly in this one. Um, I do think their defense um, with the way that they've been playing should be able to bottle up this, this Vikings offense pretty decently with, with like Vic said, them not being able to run the ball and seeming like Josh Jobs is, is coming back down to earth a little bit. And also you would figure that, you know, Justin Jefferson, I'm sure he wouldn't be out there if he's not good to go, but I'm not, I'm not sure if he's a hundred percent yet coming back from, from that injury. So I think the, the Raiders, you know, get back in the win column and, you know, keep hope alive a little bit, you know, going ahead and moving into the game against the Chargers next week. This game is uh, going to be close. I think it's kind of a coin toss almost. I, I, I would say, I must say Raiders 24, Vikings 23. It's going to be a narrow game. Vikings will get a few big plays. I think the, the Raiders will be able to hold them in the red zone. And I think this could be a, finally a, a Hunter Renfro game where he might be the answer against some of these blitzes and, and off coverage. I think having a bye week does help when you're preparing for a defense that's so unique like um, the Vikings. So I, I would say the yeah the Raiders squeak one out. Yeah, Vic, I'm not going to throw cold water on your your great four and two home record stat, but uh, they beat the Jets, the Giants, the Patriots, and a Packers team that was at the time in that range as one of the worst offenses in the league. So I, I don't know how much stock I can put in the, uh, the four and two home record, just considering who the, uh, the, the four home wins are against. Um, I'm going to help the Raider nation out, but I am not going to make this consensus. Uh, I'm going to go Vikings 27 Raiders 20, Justin Jefferson. What a spin. IR. What a spin. This big, guy. Big like, game. I'm helping you guys out by picking you to lose. <laughs> this magic. I mean, the, the Raiders are not, are no, the Raiders fans. are nowhere good enough to be a consensus pick to beat the the Vikings at home as a home underdog with Justin Jefferson. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a feel-good show, man. Post by, we're all like getting fans excited about what's coming. And you're like, just pouring cold water on me, on Deshaun, on the fans. Just cold I water. I mean, you're, you're hyping up a four or two home record, didn't you? Hey, man, you play, you play who you play. Man, you play the schedule. You can't play different yeah, teams. Yeah, and, I, and I, can, I, can, I can draw an asterisk on that. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Packers are great right now. A, yeah, they weren't great then. They were awful. Win. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. Uh, we'll have to figure out a schedule next week because uh, next Thursday, we're going to be playing a football game, uh, taking on the Chargers. So, uh, not we'll, we'll let you guys know what uh what, what we do in terms of uh next week's pod uh but we'll uh we'll have something for you to uh you know to to get you updated and uh we'll, we'll see how the raiders do uh with these uh two games in five days all right y'all all right guys all right hasta luego <laughs>